everyone, welcome to another pop-up how to out espresso, but boy, they don't come any more double shotty than this. I'm talking to Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday is one of my go-to guru heroes. He's 34 years old, which is just so hard to believe if you know of his work. If you don't know of his work, then have this as a little appetizer to take a deeper dive into anything that he's ever done. I first got switched on to him with this book called Ego is the Enemy, which I read when it came out in 2016. I thought he was one kind of writer. I then um, investigated him more, read him more and realized he was another kind of writer. And then I read Obstacle is the Way and I thought, oh, he can do this too. And then he brought out a book called Stillness is the Key. And how come he knows all this stuff? Well, because he is a student of this thing called Stoicism, which dates back to two and a half uh, thousand years ago. And he now has the first book in this four book series to do with the virtues of Stoicism, which are... Um, not necessarily in any order, uh, temperance, judgment, wisdom and courage. His new book is called Courage is Calling. He's also written a really, really useful book called The Daily Stoic, 366 uh, lessons and, and readings uh, to wake up to every morning. It is a well-known scientific fact that the first thing we think about in the morning is the last thing we thought about at night. And if that was a bad thing, that's not the greatest start to our day and well begun is half done. However... Even if the last thing you thought about last night was a good thing, a great thing, a joyous thing, the, the happiest thing in the whole wide world, it may not be useful for the next day. You may need to, 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 to sort of reset your agenda for the day. If you wake up in the morning, turn on your light and read the Daily Stoke and it's all dated for you there, 366 days, including a day for a leap year, that will flick the right switches that are most helpful to your day I promise you you know and we all say this on the show on the radio show you know if you wake up without your own agenda in the morning by lunchtime you'll be living uh, by or working towards somebody else's which is not ideally what you want to do anyway Ryan Holiday is a genius this is a distilled version of all that because it's me and him for half an hour via the radio show it's awesome Please stay tuned. You will not regret it. There are so many takeaways. The most takeaways in a 30-minute conversation I have ever been involved in. But first, every morning, Tash, my wife, and I go scoop da loop with one heap scoopful of this all-round nutritional insurance, which is made up of no less than 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multi-mineral, probiotic, green superfood, scientifically researched and blended together to support and improve energy, recovery, immunity, and digestion. Deep seaweed green, like nature itself. This eye candy concoction takes just a few seconds, like no more than five or six, okay, ten tops, to prepare and taste absolutely gorgeous. And so, here's how you can get yours. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash how to wow and join health experts, athletes and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash how to wow. Okay, and don't forget slash how to wow because this will entitle you to the special deal Athletic Greens have given how to wow listeners. A free year's supply of vitamin D and five travel free packs today to take with you on the go. Once again, Athletic greens.com slash don't forget how to wow all right now it's time to cue my conversation with the one the only the amazing ryan holiday hello 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 so have you been to bed or have you got up early tell us 
I have been to bed, I have woken up, and I will hopefully be going back to bed. Ryan, thank you so much, because I know that you are so busy with promo for this book, and you have talked about it in uh, one of your latest Daily Stoic uh, drops, and that doing promo for a book is so anti-Stoic in itself, it's almost embarrassing, and it is a little bit painful. I don't know about that. I, I I always find the hardest part is that it takes you away from the actual work that you would like to be doing, which is for for me, it's it's writing. So, you know, it's it's obviously fun to to do stuff like this and to talk about books, but um, it can be a distraction from from the the main thing, as they say. Yeah, keep the main thing the main thing. Um, right. So, you know, in this twenty minutes, half an hour that we're going to chat for now, I just want to get the Ryan Holiday message out there. So obviously we're going to be talking about your brand new book, Courage is Calling, which I you know you're very excited sure. about. Uh, but for people who, do, you know, it's it's fine preaching to the choir, but we need to tell people about Ryan Holiday. We need to get you in as many people's lives listening to the show as possible. I've been trying to do that over the past few months and especially the past few weeks because I, I hoped you were going to come on. Um, so I dip my toe into your pool, uh, your okay. literary pool, with um, Ego is the Enemy. Now, I didn't realise that you were a stoic first and, you know, a popular writer second. And I've sort of, I've reversed the truck myself and discovered this to be the case. So can you can you give our listeners a, a two-minute elevator pitch on, on, on yourself, what you do, how you came to be who you are now? Sure. So I, I write about a, an ancient school of uh, philosophy known as stoicism. And I, I know when... Look, when I talk to American audiences, there's sort of an instinctive reaction against Stoicism. I, I, I have to imagine there's perhaps uh, on the British side a little bit more receptiveness to, to, to that word. But when I think when people hear Stoicism, they think sort of has no emotions, sort of repressed, shut down, closed off, which, of course, is not what Stoicism was in the ancient world. I see it as a philosophy for life, right? A, a really practical way of living that has been proven uh, over, you know, some 2,500 years by by people who did stuff in real life, from emperors to statesmen to slaves to artists. And and uh, my sort of definition of stoicism is this idea that we don't control what happens; we control how we respond. We focus on what is in our control, what we're going to do about the situation that life has placed us in. And I came to philosophy uh, not through school, but through, you know, the sort of uh, being passed from person to person as it, as it long has. And it, it's it's been the sort of guiding light of my life. Um, and then I feel very lucky to, to be able to write about it and communicate it to to, to, to people in this sort of tradition, again, as philosophy, as a practical tool, as opposed to a theoretical, abstract, academic exercise. And it's relevant today as it always has been. Why is that, do you think? Why is it literally stood the test of time? Because is it because as human beings, you know, we only ever individually have one lifetime and we can't really pass the baton of wisdom on from one of us to the next. Uh, as we develop and we uh, improve the things around us, we seem to start, you know, afresh with every new life uh, born onto the planet. Do you, do you think that's, is it, you know, um, it, it has always been thus and it always will be. Do you think that's why, these these remedies, these observations uh, as important, if not more important now than ever before. 
I think that's a little bit it. I, I would argue that it's more that uh, nothing changes, right? Uh, because human beings uh, are human beings. So you go back 2,500 years and there's this guy, he's a merchant, he's traveling the Mediterranean and he suffers a shipwreck and he loses everything. And so he washes up in Athens uh, and he's having to, to sort of question, who am I? What am I going to do next? What is my life going to be? What do I do now that the thing that I thought my life was going to be has has ended and not by choice? And this is the story of Zeno who goes on to found Stoicism. And so from a disaster, from an unchosen uh, circumstance, he manages to choose a new path in life. He would he would quip later that, you know, I made a great fortune when I suffered a shipwreck, basically that the shipwreck delivered him to philosophy, to this calling that he didn't know that he had. And I think when you when we ask ourselves, why is stoicism relevant today in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of all this uncertainty and conflict and division? Well, it's because that's where stoicism has been for 2,500 years, uh, whether it's the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, whether it's, you know, uh, the American Civil War, whether it's the American Revolution. Stoicism has always been there for these moments of turmoil and dysfunction and 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 disruption. OK, so let's let's dial down a uh, dial into um, some of the titles of your books. And these are, you know, headline um, sort of compartmentalizations of different aspects of stoicism. Let's get away from yeah. the phrase stoicism. So let's get people into the here and now. Uh, I love all that, by the way, but I just want to sort of fast track you if that's OK. So um, sure. the obstacle is the way. All right. Just just give us the skinny on that one to start with. Well, we're talking about you don't control what happens, you control how you respond. The Stoics say there's always an opportunity to respond with excellence. There's always an opportunity. That's not to say uh, you would choose for things to be the way that they are, but it's still an opportunity for you to step up. And so I think the Stoics are saying, hey, you can take this thing and you can turn it upside down. There's always something you can do. There's always a counter move. There's always a way forward. There's no situation so bad that we can't derive some good in it from how we respond. And if you decide a goal, you have a goal in mind, and then you think, okay, to get from here to there, uh, I can see lots of obstacles actually in my way, but they, you can reframe them as the signposts because they're the hurdles you have to uh, overcome, the wisdom you have to, to glean, the knowledge you have to gain to get to where you want to go. Well, I always tell myself, look, if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? When I'm like right now, I'm in the middle of a book and it's sort of kicking my ass. And then I have to go, (laughs) oh, uh, look, if it was easy, somebody else would have written this book. Or so 500 people would have written this book. And, And so not only would it not be impressive, but there'd be all this competition. And so the things that are hard that are possibly deterring you, you know, for certain have have already deterred other people. And so, as you said, this is, to me, a sort of a reminder that I that I am, in fact, on the right path. OK, uh, let's go to another book title, because, uh, again, I want people, to, I want to go to the 10-metre board. We want to dive into Ryan Holiday's world. Ego is the Enemy, the first book of yours that I read. I had no idea about your Stoic, um, your, your stoic philosophy, your, your sort of, your... Your um, your disciple aspect of the fact that you want to carry on this message. Uh, so ego is the enemy. Just give us that in, a, again, an elevator pitch, if you don't mind. Well, I can't imagine there's any ego in your line of work. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I, 
to me, the idea of the book is is that that there is no situation that is improved by ego. Ego is uh, a friend of mine who's a, an American football coach. He says ego is the number one cause of of unemployment in professional sports, and I think it's the number one cause of. Uh, unemployment and conflict and unhappiness and dysfunction in pretty much every industry, pretty much every career. Um, the, the way forward, the, the way to success is not through ego, but uh, in, through almost its exact opposite, a willingness to learn, a willingness to put in the work, a willingness to hear feedback, a, a willingness to collaborate, right? Ego is this sort of thing that gets in between us and whatever it is that we're trying to do. And what's interesting, you know, reading and listening to basically everything you, you've done and uh, do and ever will, um, is the fact that you, suffer, you, you, you are challenged by your ego all the time, aren't you? Because you talk about it a lot, almost as therapy to your guests or, or just, you know, in your little sort of mini monologues on the Daily Stoic podcast. You talk about what people say about you on Twitter and how you deal with the trolls and why you let it get to you and then you realise you shouldn't let it get to you. So having, knowing all you know, you know, how often do you have to have a word with yourself? I mean, all, all, the, all the time. I mean, the, I think the most egotistical thing there possibly would be would be some idea that you don't have an ego or that you're, you're above it or, or, or it's beneath you. I, I think we're always trying to uh, tune out or ignore the distractions or that voice inside your head or the things that other people are saying. So I, I, I do think it's this sort of constant battle. I, I think what the Stoics are trying to do is strip all of that away so you can just be. And uh, certainly social media in in the world today is a sort of constant, it's almost a, a way to mainline ego. And so if you participate on these platforms, as you sort of have to do professionally, th there does seem to need to be this sort of constant work of sweeping that ego away. Awesome. Awesome, Ryan. So for um, for the North Pole um, to ego is the enemy, South Pole, see stillness is the key because there we have the antidote. So we have ego is the enemy. We have the issue. And then uh, and your next book or the, the book um, just after that, stillness is the key. Um, is exactly what we need on a minute-by-minute minute daily basis. If you can recognise via perspective or some kind of awareness or some kind of sort of um, otherworldly alter ego which you can trip off to and you can give some distance between yourself and give the space for the grace uh, to, to see um, something between the madness, the chaos of life and the cosmos of your inner stillness, which is who you really are and the source from where you come, um, that, is, that is the thing, isn't it? Well, the space for the grace is a, is a wonderful expression that I've never heard before. I love that. I, I think we found, you know, especially in those early days of the pandemic where sort of everything was shut down, uh, everyone was sort of uh, forced to sit for a second and, and we weren't in control. I think we found a sort of a brief moment of stillness or, or what a sort of a quieter life with a with when most of the extraneous stuff has been stripped out. And I think when we when we think about the moments we were most affected, the most on our game, the most locked in, we weren't doing 500 things at the same time. We weren't multitasking. We weren't uh, worried about the future or or regretting the past. We were just sort of locked in and and kind of fully present, right? You think about the athlete with the game on the line, you know, you think about the musician just sort of giving themselves over to the music, to the music. 
Uh, to me, stillness is this place that you get to. It's not the absence of activity, right? It's not. It's not even necessarily the monk in the monastery up in the hills. It's. It's actually a person who's sort of fully engaged in the moment they're in, wherever that happens to be. I've got to tell you, Ryan, because after I devoured um, uh, uh, Courage's Calling and I've been all over the Daily Stoke on a non-daily basis. I'm oh, sorry, I just binged that one. I know that it's, it's there for every day and I love it for every day. But I had to reread. I actually I went and bought another copy of Stillness is the Key last week and I started rereading it um, over the weekend and yesterday as well. And you tell this amazing story about this baseball player. C- can you frame that in a minute or two or is that, is that, is that beyond the pale? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Sean Green is... is- is uh, one of the great American baseball players. He sort of realizes that, you know, hitting a baseball is probably the hardest act in professional sports. A, a, a batter has like 400 milliseconds to identify the pitch and swing at it. And there's a great line from Yogi Berra that it's impossible to think and hit at the same time. And so as he, he gets into this slump, he realizes that, um, the paradox of the slump is as you start to struggle, you start to think about it more and more and more. You get more in your own head about it. And really, you have to get to a place where you put that away. You let your training take over and you sort of lock into what you're doing. That old expression of sort of chop wood, carry water. But I think it's it's about whether you're talking about Eastern philosophy or Western philosophy, uh, sort of uh, just locking in and putting out the right those racing thoughts like am i doing great am i doing to- terrible what's next what about this what about this what about this that sort of racing monologue we have and I, and i certainly have that too is to me not just the source of a lot of misery but it's taking away resources and focus from the task at hand which is you know hard enough so that's trust in the work, but you have to do the work in the first place. And another great phrase sure. that I love is, is um, the work is the shortcut. Just do the work. Yeah, of course. Of course. You know, people go, oh, I'm going to I'm going to trust my instincts. I'm going to trust my gut on this one. And it's like, have you actually done the work uh, to to warrant that sort of trust? Right. Um, if you haven't done the research, if you haven't done the thinking, if you haven't done the the if you haven't had the mentors, if you haven't studied these situations, if you haven't looked at it historically, how are you so confident that your instincts just magically know what to do in this situation? OK, and our excuse to not have to deal with that is resistance. And Stephen Pressfield, who I know you love, he talks of about course. this this sort of fifth element, doesn't he, which is resistance. Can you speak to that for a second? Well, you know, we set out to do something, we have some intention to do something, and then so often it doesn't happen. And and what is that? I don't think it's the world conspiring against you. It's some part of yourself that gets in the way. And resistance is that thing that makes us procrastinate, that thing that makes up excuses, that thing that focuses on externals that are outside of our control. And, you know, I was saying about this book that I'm working on now, like, I can think about how far I have to go. I can think about how it's going to do. I can think about why it's not going the way that I'd like it to go. Or I can wake up this morning and sit down and try to write a few pages. And if I do that day in and day out, if I if I ignore everything else, eventually I'll have a manuscript. It won't be perfect, but it will at least exist. And then once it exists, I can polish and refine it and improve it. But I can't do that with something that doesn't exist that I've let resistance prevent me from sort of willing into existence. 
All right, so uh, my favourite uh, sort of three-book series, as you can probably glean up until this point, is, is your little three-book series, which has become that now, and you can buy it in a little box set. The Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, and um, uh, Stillness is the Key. So we are now embarking upon a four-tenet um, series of the Stoic Virtues, which are, last time I looked, Courage, Temperance, um, Wisdom and Judgment. And you've started with this book called Courage is Calling. And I know that one of your best pals and uh, your co-author of The Daily Stoic and one of the guys you look to for different interpretations, different Stoke passages, um, has, has, has pl- applauded you for starting with courage. So first of all, speak about courage, speak about the tenants, and then tell us about your decision to begin with maybe the stickiest one. Well, of the cardinal virtues, uh, courage is typically put at the beginning, I think, um, because all the virtues depend on courage, right? There is no wisdom without courage. There, there is no justice in the real world without courage. And I think to live temperately in an intemperate world demands courage. But I think as we look out at the world, which has so many problems, so much conflict, so much dysfunction, um, and then of course, a, 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 a virulent pandemic uh, and, and the uncertainty that that's brought over the last 18 months, you know, uh, courage is important. Seneca, in one of my favorite lines, he says, you know, sometimes even just to live requires courage. And I I think we've seen that, you know, every time we think about things being normal or going back to normal, it's like life says, no, let me tell you about murder hornets, or let me tell you about this, or let me tell you about that. And, and so one needs courage just to, just to wake up in the morning, just to say, I'm going to keep on keeping on, uh, and and that's that's sort of why I started with that in this book. There's some great examples of courage in the book. I know that's how you like to, to write your books. You tell real life stories, and then you sort of uh, go back and look over them, and you analyze them, and you sort of distill some kind of useful message for us and then you move on to another uh, and different uh, example and you continue that journey but every time we we look at reference writers like yourself and um, my favorite go-to gurus so you've got your Eckhart Tolle's and you've got your Muji's and you've got your sad gurus and you've got loads and loads of other people um, you know forget the snake oil salesmen and women but these are the, to me who the, those people who are the real deal fear is the thing you know you see it time and time again you know it's fine to live with fear but don't live in fear fear is useful to us because it's a red light when we need it and it, it um, it's a call to arms and action uh, if required to protect the things and the people that we that we believe in and love um what does what can where does fear fit into courage because it's a great you know is it is it a real enemy or is it a convenient excuse well, there is no uh, courage without fear, right? If it wasn't scary, if it was guaranteed, if it was obvious, um, courage wouldn't be required. And as I was writing about Florence Nightingale in the book, who's one of the main characters, you know, you, you get this sense like, oh, you know, these people are just wonderful. They're just great. They were just always brave. This is who they were coming out of the womb. And this idea that she ignores, you know, she gets this sort of call, the hero's journey, you know, and a critical step in the, in the so-called hero's journey is the refusal of the call. And for like 16 years, Florence Nightingale puts it off. She's worried what her parents will think. She's worried about what society will think. She's worried that it's, you know, uh, uh, not classy enough. You know, this idea that like nursing was beneath her 
or impossible for her. And so it takes 16 years for her to work up the courage to to answer the call of her lifetime. Um, but but I think in in all the great journeys and all the great stories and all the things that you and I have done, you know, there is always that fear, that hesitance, some form of the resistance. And it requires courage to push through that, to get over it, to say, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, let's see what happens. And if you can tap into your stillness, because stillness is the key, can you, within that stillness, find the calm to downgrade what might be um, the sort of foreboding prospect of required courage to simply doing the right thing? I think so. I mean, first off, you need courage to hear the voice, to hear whatever that call is. But secondarily, you need uh, the, 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 the stillness to, to sort of slow down uh, to 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 decide what you're going to do and and to and to push through it and I would also say that you know, there's this great expression that courage is contagious so that the ability to slow down to decide to be brave to decide to do it anyway to to really connect with with whatever it is that you're called to do this has an effect on more than just you as an individual it's also contagious it also influences the people around you and 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 it, it has the potential to inspire, to bring people alongside you. I think when we see a person acting courageously, doing that hard or difficult thing, we flock to that person, or that person reminds us what we're capable on, which uh, which, which we're capable of. Which is partly why, you know, I I like to tell stories in the book. Is I think it's always better to show rather than tell. What do you think about your um, sort of serendipitous book ending of the pandemic in 2019 with Stillness is the Key, which would have been very useful had we known, is very useful anyway, but even more useful had we known what was coming, and then Courage is Calling post the pandemic? I think when you put yourself out there, you can get lucky. Um, you know, I wrote this that book, Ego is the Enemy, in 2016 as Trump is running for president. I had no idea that would, you know, sort of align. I think when you... When you connect with something deeply personal, it can often become universal. It can often sort of connect with a larger audience or just sort of match up with with where the world is going. But I I think I've always been a believer in the idea that the the timeless can be very timely. And so I I try to focus on these big ideas that have always been true historically. And then sometimes you get, I don't want to say lucky because that seems like a a rather offensive way to to refer to this, this terrible pandemic. But the idea of courage seems to, of, of course, be more relevant than ever. Do you think that's to do with pattern spotting, though? Because you are aware and you're sensitive to what's going on. And you, there is a natural rhythm that either um, sort of supercharges you or you have the the experience now and the bandwidth to, to spot it and to, to write it down for the rest of us to benefit from. I mean, maybe I, I I think I'm I'm always trying to to think about what I need in my life, like what I'm struggling with. So when I'm talking about the obstacle being the way, or ego is the enemy, or stillness, I'm not saying this because I've somehow mastered these things, or that that I'm speaking to you as uh, I know this is Guru Tuesday, but uh, <laughs> that I'm I'm a guru. I'm I'm trying to talk to myself and and trying to think, you know, what what have the greats of history and philosophy and spirituality? Um, what have the people who have been through bigger things than I have? What did they What did they come up with? What did they learn? Um, because that's what I happen to need at that juncture in my life. And and again, I think these things end up being timeless. But 
Am I maybe sensing a little bit that things are heading in this direction or that direction? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, But I, I feel like I'm mostly trying to just get better as a human being. All right. Well, let's go with let's go with the fact you do have this superpower uh, for future telling and future proofing. What might you see in the next few years for us as a planet, as a, as a species? Well, as I'm writing about temperance now, the, the next virtue, I think, you know, we live in these times as is even as unpredictable and, and difficult as they've been lately of sort of unlimited choice, unlimited access. Uh, we live in the, the most sort of fruitful and prosperous times in human history. And that's all well and good. Um, but I think the ancients have always believed that, uh, you know, sort of we have to check ourselves with restraint. Uh, Eisenhower said opportunity is, or uh, Eisenhower said uh, freedom is better defined as the opportunity for self-discipline. And so I think people are going to have to figure out, especially as social media becomes more and more a part of our lives, as, as all of these things, be, as we come out of this pandemic, we're going to be faced with the choice of like, well, now I can do anything and everything again. Um, how do I decide what I should do? How do I decide what I should not do? How do I, uh, if I am not controlled by outside forces, how do I control myself? To me, I think this theme of temperance uh, or self-discipline, uh, obviously I'm seeing the pattern because I'm writing about it, but I, I think that it, it remains a timeless and, and very timely idea. See, Eisenhower is well ahead of the game with his Matrix, wasn't he? I know there are four boxes to it, Ryan, but just speak to box one and two uh, to do with the Eisenhower Matrix and the fact that we often confuse uh, the urgent for more important than the important, which isn't as urgent. Yeah, he's saying there's the important things and the unimportant things. There's the urgent things and the non-urgent things. And that these sort of ideas are always intersecting with each other. And a lot of times we get caught up with what's urgent with what's happening right now but it's actually rather trivial and not particularly important. And so are you focusing on the short-term distractions, the short-term things that are popping up, whether it's your, your phone or the, 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 the ping of your, your email inbox or you know, just whatever is being tweeted about in this moment, or are you focusing on these sort of long-term important things, your own self-improvement, your own investment in yourself, the longer view? And when we talk about stillness, it requires some stillness and discipline to be able to do that, especially when everyone around you is freaking out about X, Y, or Z. <laughs> yeah, beware the would-be urgent, especially if it comes with a ping. Yes, yes. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, you can control that by turning off a lot of those <laughs> alerts, right? By, yeah. by, by creating some boundaries inside your life. So, you know, Facebook or Twitter isn't determining, you know, what you're thinking about minute to minute. Right, to get people to plug into you, which is my only mission, I have one priority. It's important and it's urgent, actually. So it's a brand new box. Um, get, just tell people what, what the Daily Stoic email does and, and why they might want to sign up for it and why there's no need to fear it because they cancel it at any time. Well, one of the, the great Stoic Seneca says that, you know, the path to wisdom is one thing a day, one idea, one book, one quote, one conversation. And so five years ago now, I started this daily email, you know, it was a few hundred people. It's now uh, 350,000 Stoic uh, adherents all over the world, the largest community of Stoics to ever exist. And it's just one email inspired by Stoic philosophy every morning. I also read a podcast version of it. It's all totally for free. And you can sign up at, at dailystoic.com slash email. 
All right, and there's loads of fun offers there to do with Courage's Calling. There's original manuscript signed pages. Uh, there's leather-bound copies of, of various um, publications from Ryan over the last uh, few years, since 2012, since Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator. We have sort of 12 books slash 13 books and counting. He's opened a bookstore. He's a crazy guy. It's called The Painted Porch, which is what a stowe is uh, and where stoicism was born. Um, how is it being a, a small, independent, independent retailer um in the book world ryan well it's one of the hardest things i've ever done <laughs> but but correspondingly one of the most rewarding things that I, i've ever done it was probably insane to start this in a global pandemic but you know it's it's been it's been wonderful and i think very fitting in that stoicism itself starts in a bookstore when when zeno washes up there in athens and so i I feel good carrying on the uh, the tradition or the torch, so to speak. I think it's so cool. It's so beautiful, uh, your bookstore online. I know you do lots of your videos from there. So you don't live mm -hmm. off grid, but you sort of do live off track a little bit. How much does that help you with, with your own stillness and your own um, uh, sort of um, uh, tower of observation, if you like? Hugely important. I mean, I think the decision to about where we live, you know, when we wake up, what our days look like, you know, determines so much about, how productive we'll be, how happy we'll be. And um, certainly the decision to live outside of a big city. Uh, we live on a, a little farm outside Austin, Texas. You know, it was always wonderful. And then when the world shuts down and suddenly space is at a premium and social distancing is uh, imperative, uh, it, it worked out very nicely. And, and this last 18 months, as, as difficult as it's been, has also been idyllic and productive and, you know, sort of wonderful time with the family. Yeah, maybe a, a result, a very fortunate result of one of those subconscious pattern spottings uh, that seem to go on in your amazing brain. And I know that you balk at people who say, oh, you live sort of off track. Yeah, yeah, I've always wanted to do that. And you go, no, you haven't. Otherwise, you would have done. Or, or people say, I've always wanted to do something as if, you know, it's the hardest thing to do in the world. In fact, like people are are fleeing the thing. I, you know, most people are 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 leaving the rural areas to go to big cities, when you're counter-programming, it's almost always easier or more affordable than, than one might think. Um, you know, the, the little farm we have out here was roughly the same, you know, month-to-month -month expense as a studio apartment in, in New York City. So a, a lot of these things that we're very intimidated by or that we think are these sort of pipe dreams are in fact more accessible than we want them to be, but that resistance we were talking about is the is the thing that that provides either excuses or noise or, or or justifications why we can't do it now, but maybe someday in the future we'll get serious about it. Good for you, Ryan. Just before you go, um, you know, as as the sort of poster boy, and I mean that with. with uh, all, all the love in the world and all the gratitude in the world, let me tell you, as the poster boy for modern day stoicism, what wobbles you most? Uh, I would say managing one's emotions, particularly uh, temper, right? Uh, the idea that the Stoics didn't feel emotions is a myth. They tried not to act on those emotions when they were destructive. So you can be angry, just don't do things out of anger. And then hopefully by not doing things out of anger, you become less angry. I think for me, when you're ambitious or driven, when you've got a lot going on, it's so easy to get to get wrapped up, to get sort of uh, distracted by or overwhelmed by those emotions. And I try generally, especially as the world does feel like it's tearing itself to pieces and you can doom scroll all day on your phone. I try to keep an even keel, but it's a, it's a, it's a constant battle.
Yeah, I, lo- I love that expression. You know, you can have anger rather than be angry. And if you put that little bit of distance in between it, you can push it further back as opposed to it getting hold of you and you having to sort of shake yourself loose if you're lucky and you can do that at all. And that's the same idea with courage. There's a beautiful Faulkner quote where he says, uh, you know, be scared. You can't help that. Just don't be afraid. Right. So you can feel it, but don't let that determine what you're going to do. Ryan, uh, thanks so much for your time. Are you going back to bed now or are you going out for one of your walks? All right, great. Lovely to connect with you, Ryan. Thanks so much. It was an honor. I appreciate it. Told you. How good is he? Ryan Holiday, whose brand new book, Courage, is calling is out now, but all his books are amazing. They are amongst the most useful books I have ever read, and that's a pretty high bar where I'm concerned. So um, off you go, off you pop. Please do rate and review this episode because um, people who want the names in lights just give things, not just my stuff, but other people's stuff, one star, and, and uh, just they're professional haters. That, that's what they do every day. Uh, but somehow they sometimes get to the top of the list. So please do rate and review. Five stars would be great, whatever. Thank you very much indeed. Goodbye. Tell all your friends. Ta-da.